victorious as you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious of the only king forever. So I just encourage you today that as we step into this worship, that you step into that place as a son and a daughter, that no longer are we orphans, that we step in that place as sons and daughters of the king. Amen. You are good, you are good, 
Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him and how I Jesus. I mean, no, you can trust him. Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Give him a hand clap. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We've got a baptism right in the middle of worship here. If there's any family members that'd like to come up, but let's kind of find out what your name is and why you're getting baptized today. I'm Heather Barnett. About 15 years ago, I went through a very difficult time period and really lost my faith and had a very broken relationship with God. And about 10 years ago, I reconnected with him. My faith has been restored, and he has blessed me in ways I couldn't have even imagined. And the past three to four weeks, he has really moved my heart that to be in obedience to him. I am to make a public profession of faith and be baptized. Doesn't matter if it's 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and I'm here to obey him. Amen. We're proud of you because it's all about obedience. I mean, I was uh, sprinkled as a child when I was a Lutheran, but then found out when I came to the age of accountability. And I didn't realize until I was 30-some years old and, and I got baptized. And I'm telling you, it's a powerful experience. We believe when you go under the water, I mean, the old life is gone. You come up brand new. And not only that, the children, when they went through the Red Sea, that was a type of baptism. And what happened after they went through the Red Sea, that sea collapsed on all the enemies. We're going to pray all the enemies be drowned too in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, you want to come a little closer and we'll just pray? Father, we thank you for Heather. We ask you to bless her. Lord, continue to bless this family. And what an exciting thing to do on Mother's Day, Lord, to step out in obedience like this. And we bless her, baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Be baptized, be filled. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and stand back to our feet. Let's just begin to worship again, but I'm going to make place right now for some altar time. Our altar team's coming forward, and the Bible says to cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. You might have a burden today. It could be a health issue. It just could be you want some wisdom, but you have a burden, and the Bible says to roll your burdens over on Him, and when you come to the altar, have that picture when you get prayer with somebody that you're just rolling your cares over on Him. You're kind of laying them at the altar. You're laying them at the feet of Jesus, and you're just going to trust Him with Him. Amen? So altar team, come up. We'll continue to worship, and when you worship, 
don't take this for granted. Matter of fact, I wanna to speak to people that are maybe watching us live right now on our uh, live feed that even if you're at home kind of moving around, just stop for a moment and just recognize his presence. So many people, I have people that are new to our church that come to our Connect class that say, I don't know what it is, but the first few times I come, I just begin to cry. There's a, it's the presence of God. God wants to confirm that he's here with you right now. And I'm telling you, if he's who he said he is, and he is, he can do what he says he can do, and that's heal and meet your needs, amen? So let's worship, and altars are open for you. Jesus loved me I don't know why He cares I don't know why He sacrificed His life Oh, but I'm glad I'm so glad He
some praise if you're thankful in this place this morning. Jesus, we bless your name, Lord.
you turn to two or three people this morning tell them how happy you are to see you in God's house. you're with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreaches. If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between services on Sunday mornings in the Connect Cafe. Our coffee bar is always open. We 
are so glad that you're here and we hope that you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. A church we helped build in Nepal was devastated by the earthquake. The pastor of the church sent us an email that said this, Our children have been traumatized badly. They do not want to get in the house because our apartment, especially our bedroom, is cracked inside and outside. Moreover, we had a bad experience on the first day in church. We were trapped inside the building. Everybody was crying. Sunday school children flocked in a corner of the room for prayer. We felt like someone was shaking the building. I noticed the joints of the building were gradually falling apart. The steps of the stairs were being cracked. Dust cement was falling from our ceiling. After a few minutes, we could escape the building. We are sending an offering from our church. And if you would like to give, mark Nepal on your offering envelope. SUM Texarkana Bible College and Theological Seminary at Church on the Rock Texarkana offers affordable, accredited undergraduate and graduate theological degrees that combine academic excellence with practical ministry training and personal mentorship by seasoned ministry leaders. This process shapes students to be passionate, prepared, five-fold ministry leaders. SUM is expressively a ministry training school. When students are released, they are ready to go into full-time ministry. Enroll now for our 2015 fall semester at churchontherock.org. Sunday, May 24th is Church on the Rock's annual Memorial Day Car Show. This is a huge event with fun for the whole family. Cars, motorcycles, trucks, rat rods, great food, train rides and inflatables for the kids. But we need your help to make this event happen. We need volunteers to help out with this event. Please sign up in the foyer to make this year's Memorial Day Car Show the best one yet. Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. We got a few people doing good. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Hey, we are really excited that you're here. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, just the next few weeks, like the, the announcement video said, we have the Memorial Day car show coming up here in just a couple weeks. Man, and it takes tons of energy just to put it on, but the event itself is really incredible. We have a lot of people from the community who don't normally go to church come out and, man, look at cars. They, they come and they hear about Jesus. But, like I said, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of people serving and helping out. So if you want to be a part of that, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Uh, we encourage you to, to do that but also it is mother's day how many people are excited it's mother's day so yeah make make some noise for all the mothers in the house tonight this morning yeah make sure you buy them some some candy and some flowers and some more candy and love on them but uh but anyway we want to continue this morning with uh with our tithes and offerings and i was actually thinking about a story uh earlier today and uh, i guess it was a couple months back uh a few guys from the 20s here at our church we started doing this thing that anytime we would go to a fast food restaurant we would be like in the drive-through sometimes we would pick up the ticket of the person that's behind us it's almost kind of like this pay it forward thing and it's you know 
nothing nothing crazy, but sometimes it's cool just to be able to bless somebody, you know, for, for $10. And uh, I guess it was a couple months back, and I was at a Chick-fil-A one night, um, pretty late. I just gotten out of service, and I was heading home, and for some reason I felt really strongly like I need to pick up the person's ticket behind me. I don't know who they are. And so, um, you know, I do like most people do, and I'm like, you know, is that really you, Lord? Surely not. Like, I'm supposed to save money and all that. But I was sitting there, and I ordered my food. A lady pulled up behind me, and I was like, okay, good. There's nobody else in the car, you know? Maybe she's just getting, like, a kid's meal and a sweet tea or something. And um, so I pulled up to listen to her order to figure out whether or not God really told me to pay for her food. Has anybody ever done that before? It's like you feel like God's wanting you to do something, but you got to check it out first. But anyway, uh, I hear this lady, and she orders her food, and she orders for a whole family, okay? And uh, so I'm sitting there, and, and I still feel really strongly like, hey, you need to you need to bless this person. And uh, I remember, I, you know, I pulled up. I paid for my food. I paid for hers. And, uh, and I'm not telling you this story so you think I'm awesome or a good Christian or anything like that, but I'm telling you this story because whenever I pulled out of the chick fil parking lot, I, I felt so blessed that I had the opportunity, man, to bless someone else that I didn't know. You know, I'll probably never see this lady again, but I began thinking about that. And, you know, God pours out his blessings on his people so we can be blessed, not just so we can be blessed, but so we can be a blessing to others. And I want to encourage you, you know, as we give today, even uh, like the story of Nepal and everything that's going on there, man, sometimes God lays things on our heart and, you know, sometimes it's a stretch for us to meet those, uh, you know, to, to meet those needs or do what God's telling us to do. But, man, whenever you step out and you're obedient to God, there's nothing that's more perfect than that. Whenever we're here, yeah, make some noise for the Lord. It, there's nothing more perfect uh, than that. So I want to encourage you today as we give, know that we're not just blessed so we can be blessed, but we're blessed so we can be a blessing to others, whether that's in the Chick-fil-A line, whether that's here at church giving tithes and offerings, whether that's given to Nepal. Um, but whatever that means for you today, just be obedient. That's the best thing we can do as Christians. Amen. So let's pray. So Lord, we do lift you up. God, we thank you, God, that, that you've blessed us. God, that you've blessed us enough to, to be blessings to others. Others. Lord, we uh, we ask you today, God, just to stir something in our heart, God, that we would be just constantly in the mind of giving. God, giving for your kingdom, giving, Lord, to see your people changed. And uh, we lift up our hearts to you today, and we pray that you would bless this offering and these tithes. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. And I don't want to sing another song. Just to hear myself sing. Want to bring you more than empty words Cause you mean so much more to me I won't let the rocks cry They won't praise you more than me If it doesn't touch your heart Father, I don't want to sing Cause if your presence is with me Then I don't want to go Yeah. 
prayer for our pastor. If you're fairly new to our church, uh, my name is Mike Ulmer. I'm associate pastor. Been here 26 years. Pastor John uh, Miller, our senior pastor, has been here 25 years, and uh, we felt it was time for him to have a sabbatical and a little time off and kind of catch his breath and strengthen himself. So let's just pray for him right now. Father, we thank you for Pastor John. Lord, we thank you for his leadership. We thank you for his anointing. Lord, his, his, your hand upon him as a pastor to shepherd these people, Lord, and to care about him. Now, we pray for strength to go to him. We pray, Lord, that you would just quicken his mortal body. He'd get rest. Lord, he's able to just come back with strength, and you refuel him, refire him, renew him, refresh him. Lord, he'll come back ready to lead this church, ready to lead us to that next place you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them they look marvelous, and you may have a seat. And again, a happy Mother's Day to all, and uh, matter of fact, we actually have live streaming. We haven't really promoted a lot. We're working the bugs out, but if there's a chance, all the way from Montana, my mom is watching right now. I want to wish my mom a happy Mother's Day, and my sister Cindy, and my sister Teresa, and, and of course my wife. Even like, you're not my mother, but somehow you keep reminding me you're the mother of my children, and I need to remember that, so amen. So happy Mother's Day to all. I'm going to preach a message entitled today, In God We Trust. Let's say that together. In God We Trust. And I always like a second title, so my second title is Trust Me. If everybody say that to you, look at you, trust me. Trust me. You know, a few years ago, the use of those words, In God We Trust, was challenged in a court of law. And the case reached the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals in Richmond, Virginia. And there the court ruled that the words in God we trust would remain on the facade of a government building in Lexington, North Carolina. And that was good, but when we listened to Judge uh, Robert King's ruling on the matter, listen to what he said. 
The Fourth Circuit has heretofore characterized the phrase, in God we trust, when used as the national motto on coins and currency, as a patriotic and ceremonial motto, and no theological or ritualistic impact whatsoever. In other words, the court said that those four words, in God we trust, have no more meaning than in Mickey Mouse we trust. It really had no relevance, you know, as far as what it really meant. Do you know what's on the back of the 10-pound note in England? It's a picture of Darwin. I guess they're a great hero. And that matters so much that the new coin, the two-pound coin, they put his image facing the image, I guess, of one of his relatives, a monkey, and they were facing each other, and that's what's on the back of there. And, of course, you know Charles Darwin is the theory of evolution by natural selection. But there was a zookeeper one day walked past the monkeys, and he noticed this one ape had two books, the Bible, and he had Charles Darwin's Origin of Species. And he asked him, he said, man, why do you have both of those books? He said, well, I'm reading to find out if I'm my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. Now, that's not worthy of a laugh, I know. But how about a light golf clap? Okay, that'll do me for now. All right, that's about as good as it's going to get. You know, the real question is not in God we trust, but do we trust God? And more specifically, do you trust God? Do you really trust him? I mean, most of you came in and boom, you popped right down on one of those chairs. And you didn't look at it to see if it was structurally sound and how it was engineered. You just trusted it was going to hold you. Maybe because you sat on it before or you walked in, you saw everybody else sitting. And you said, oh, I have faith that'll hold me. I trust that chair. But you know, it's not our words, but our actions that confirm or deny whether we trust in God or not. And when we look at America right now, our actions are pretty much saying we, don't not, we do not trust God. That's what our actions are saying, because we're removing God from the public square. Uh, many feel America's turned their back on God. The courts have removed prayer from classrooms and public institutions. The Ten Commandments have been removed from the parks and the schools and the courthouses. And public schools teach Darwinism, but not intelligent design. And the one scripture I want us to base everything on today is one you should all know. And if not, uh, make a note of it and try to learn it. Try to memorize it. Just say it over and over. Take lipstick, write it on your mirror, whatever it is. Not you guys, just you girls. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Let's say that together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's like kids' church. We need to say it five or six times maybe so you can get it. And remember this. But have you noticed how a small child allow their parents to pick them up and hold them and they just trust them? They're just in their arms and they just trust them there. It doesn't matter if they're six feet above the ground or one foot above the ground. They are just happy, they're confident, and they trust who's carrying them. Now, they didn't even ask this person for their credentials. They didn't check to see, hey, how much can you lift? You know, how are you good with carrying things? No, they just trust you. And I think... Uh, we need to look at our relationship with our Heavenly Father and see how that applies spiritually. But you know, trust is the first thing to go with children. It goes gradually, but you start hearing things like, you know, that's not fair. You know, why are we doing that? And they begin to question. That's part of growing up where they begin to challenge that because what they're doing is they're moving their trust from you to themselves. I mean, it's a part of growing up. But how does that apply to us? Because we're to be more like child like children when it comes to trusting God. And I think sometimes we get older, we start doing a little leaning. We lean on our thought life. We lean on our emotions. We lean on the opinions of other people. We lean on the logical answer to things. And whatever we lean toward our own understanding, who are we leaning away from? We're leaning away from God. You know, my daughter, Jessica, my second oldest, 
uh, I don't know what, first of all, I think children just tend to trust their mothers a little more than their fathers. I don't know, maybe it's that one time we tried to scare them or do something, or maybe, you know, when I threw my first one up, you know how they like that? Don't drop them. They'll kind of remember that for some reason. And I think that happened once or twice. But uh, Jessica, for some reason, afraid of water, afraid of swimming, we're in the pool about three foot. She's got her water wings on, and I want to teach her to swim, and I'm not real patient about teaching things, but, you know, and I say, just trust me now, just trust me. And I go to try to let go of her, and she's grabbing my mullet. That was before my ponytail. And she would pull on that. My skin, just dig in. And man, not even for a second would she trust me and let go. Let's talk about a woman with the issue of blood that trusted Jesus for her issues. Anybody got a Bible? We're going to look at Mark 5. You got a Bible? Hold it up a little bit. Make the bookstores glad and the devil mad or your electronic device, whatever it may be. And let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Some of you just came here for the first time. You're going, oh my gosh, what did we get ourselves into? Well, this is a weapon, right? Then repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible is a true detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Amen. Did I just see Fred over there? Hey, Fred. First say hi. You'll be thinking about it the whole time I'm trying to preach here. Amen. Mark 5, 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and alive and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him, remember that, came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. And she said, even if I touch his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around to the crowd, and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear, trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and he healed be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Let's say that last statement together. Do not fear, only believe. Again, do not fear, only believe. In another version, Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, trust me. That's what God's saying today. Trust me. Only believe. Smith Wigglesworth, great man of God. Many miracles in his life, raising people from the dead. And you read about him, all the books from the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. His motto, and you see messages on it, you see it written in a lot of his notes. He says, only believe. Only believe. I mean, that's what faith is all about, believing. But let's go back to this lady in verse 25. It says, this was a woman. So this is a nobody. Say nobody. 
I mean, it doesn't mention her name. It's just a nobody just kind of in the crowd. And she had an issue. She had an issue of blood. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. And we all have issues, don't we? Could be an emotional issue, physical issue, relation issue. We all have issues. But this issue of blood made her unclean. And that's significant. Look in Leviticus 15, 25. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at the time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as the days of her period. That means this woman had been unclean for probably the 12 years. I mean, altered her lifestyle. That means she was put apart from others. And matter of fact, if she had a husband, there's a good chance he could have divorced her by now because she might not even be able to take care of the kids because they'd be unclean and, and just going through life. I mean, she was a social outcast and she wasn't even able to attend the temple or a worship service. She wasn't able to. I don't know how much more lonely a person could be being an outcast like that. And then that's just the emotional side of it. Now think of the physical side of it. We're talking about dealing with this issue of blood constantly. I mean, she had probably anemia, probably weak all the time, had to get all of her strength to just get to Jesus. And then she has to fight through the crowd to be able to get there. But yet she had faith to do that. She was desperate to make it to Jesus and to make matters worse. Now, I want you to think, who is at the front of this crowd? The religious leader. Jairus, he's right there. I mean, it's a community where she probably realizes, man, that's a religious leader. By the Mosaic law, I could be stoned to death. He might realize who that is because he might have had to declare her unclean. So you don't know what's all going on there. Maybe that's why she approached him from, uh, from the back of the crowd. You know, there could be people in this room right now that you feel a little like that. Maybe you feel like uh, you're a nobody. Maybe you feel like you don't have a purpose. Why am I here on this earth? You know, I've got this issue. I just can't seem to get over, whatever it is. So we have a woman who tried. She tried many physicians. What have you tried to get relief? What have you tried to get comfort from a situation? What have you tried to maybe get pleasure in your life? Because uh, I promise you this, if you don't have Jesus, you're bleeding to death. You have an issue that uh, nothing can solve in this world except Jesus. Because you come to the end of this world, you won't go to heaven if you don't have Jesus in your life. That's what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter if you go to church or whatever. You have to have a relationship. And that's what this church service has been about. It's not been a religious activity, even though you can call it that. But it's about people coming who have a relationship with God. That's why the worship is a little different than what I experienced in my Lutheran church when I grew up or the Catholic church I was married in with my wife. And all those gave me good foundations. And it might not have been the church, but with me, it was just, it was just something that stuck in my head and I was being ritualistic and never got in my heart until I really said this prayer to invite Christ into my heart. And then it became about a relationship and something changed and my life changed at that point. But what have you tried to get relief from your issue? Have you tried Dr. Relaxation? Where Dr. Relaxation says, here, take this pill, this tranquilizer, this little pill will help you cope with things. Maybe you've tried Dr. Recreation. Here, try sports or try this video game or, or just watch this movie and just kind of forget about things. Maybe Dr. Religion, a couple Hail Marys, come to church a couple times, that'll take care of your guilt. What about Dr. Romance? Oh, new boyfriend, new girlfriend. In some case, oh, maybe just even a new wife or a husband. Maybe that'll deal with the situation. Or maybe like me in college, the physician of partyology, I'd go to him, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever it was, you know, just forget about things, just be a part of the crowd and have fun. 
You know, there's an enemy out there. His name is Dr. Devil and he works at Mount Satan Hospital. And I'm telling you, he'll try to prescribe some things that are just gonna lead you down a path of destruction. It, things the world says, oh, this will make you happy. This will be fun. They promise you life and what does it bring? It brings death. It does every time. You know, I don't believe there's one person in life that picked up a can of beer and looked at it and said, you know what? My goal in life is to be an alcoholic. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. No, but how does it come to that place? And here's the thing about the devil too. He'll give you your first dose free. How many realize that? I mean, I got my first beer free. I got my, whatever it was that, you know, they'd offer you that and get you hooked on it. Matter of fact, the first beer I ever had was seventh grade. We would run track. Me and my buddies, the coaches say, go run two miles. We'd head out of town, get about a mile out. And it's a little town with the welcome sign and the leaving sign on the same post, like a couple blocks long was it. And we saw part of a six pack of beer in the ditch because the older kids that weren't old enough to drink, when they get back to town, they'd toss it out so they wouldn't get picked up by the cops so their parents would find out. And so we find this, oh, wow. And so we run on out a couple, another mile to where I'm raising some pigs and we have a horse tank there and we throw it in the cold water and say, we're gonna come back the next day. Boy, this is gonna be great. We're gonna be real grown up now. And we go out there and the next day we pop that, both of us simultaneously, taking a drink simultaneously, <laughs> spitting it out on the ground. The nastiest stuff we ever tasted. But somehow, why is it we acquire a taste for it? But that was free. And I think that same guy, you know, that I went jogging with, uh, had some of the same passions, you know, loved cars. And, and yet, thank God, God got me through college. And I didn't have a car wreck and all the other things that could have happened. And I'm here today and haven't drank in 30-some years. Praise God. And, but my buddy, that same guy, he's in Nebraska, still living there and hasn't driven a car for 15 years, lost his license, and been through many jobs, and he'll call and leave these long messages, just blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just a shame how the enemy takes those things. And you might be here today, and you say, well, at least that doesn't have to do with me. But what issues do you have? You know, maybe you've got an issue with loneliness. Maybe you've got an issue with just worrying about what everybody thinks all the time. Maybe you've got an issue with fear. I mean, I had a huge issue with fear. Uh, I mean, afraid of heights, terribly afraid of heights. I got stuck on this little cliff by a lake one time. It was only about 12 feet tall, but man, I just was panicking. Thought I was gonna fall. And the fair would come to, we'd have harvest festival. They'd come to the communities and they set up the rides in the street, in the street and there'd be these Ferris wheels. And I'd look at that and I'd say, there ain't no way I'm going on a Ferris wheel. But then one time my buddies, come on, we gotta have fun. Look, and I saw this thing called the Rocco plane. Now this had a cage. So I'm thinking, I'm kind of reasoning, I think I can do that. I mean, I'm around a cage, I'm not gonna fall out. You know, it's not as high as a Ferris wheel, yeah. And so my buddy's talking to me, we get on that Rocco plane, then I'm realizing you can rock that thing. And then you can hold the handle and that thing will go upside down. And they started trying to do that and I freaked out. And I said, you stop right now, I'll beat you up. And then I realized I'm not even 100 pounds and they're all twice as big as me. So then I threatened them, I'm gonna throw up on you. I figured that'd do it. I might even start crying. I don't know what. But they stopped. They see I was panicking and let me get off. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. Even though I didn't know him, I said, thank you, Jesus. So now I'm getting a little older. Now I'm about seventh grade. And I get this note from Karen that says, do you like me? Circle yes or no, because I like you. And I'm thinking, ooh. All of a sudden, I was in love. Seventh grade. 
And I said, let's meet at the fair. It's this weekend at the county fair, and we'll go out there. So I'm excited. I'm in love. And we go out there. We play some games. I might have won her a little stuffed animal. And then we walk by, and all of a sudden, she notices the Ferris wheel. He says, let's go on there. I had a revelation. I was not in love with this girl anymore. <laughs> Walked away. I mean, there was no way I was going to do that. You know, I realized there were some girls in college I liked. But I didn't like them enough to change my lifestyle and maybe live with them the rest of my life. But then I met this girl named Sharon I not only liked, but I loved enough to marry her and willing to change my lifestyle. You know, willing to change things. How many in this room, maybe you like Jesus, but maybe not enough to really follow him? Not love him enough to allow him to change your life? Because I said a little prayer one time, but I kept going my same way. And I'm telling you, the time I really embraced him and his principles, and that was the time my life began to change, and I began to follow him. Amen? So let's go back to this lady. We move from a nobody who tried to a nobody who trusted. Say trusted. So she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. You know, the devil's plan is that you don't trust anybody. That's his plan. He doesn't want you to trust a person. And some of our issues we have are because we trusted somebody close to us. And we trusted them and they let us down. They left us. They abused us. They did something. And it makes it hard to trust. Matter of fact, there's a lot of us in this room that might have father issues. You go to visit the jails and do ministry there, a majority of them have father issues. You know, the U.S. Census Bureau says there's 24 million children in America, and one out of three don't live with a biological father. There could be some father issues out there. From the time you're born, the enemy wants to distort your image of who a father is. When you hear, hey, there's a father in heaven that loves you, you have a father in heaven that cares about you, and you can trust him. And all you think of when you hear father is, man, I think of somebody who left me, who is absent, abused me, whatever it is. But I'm telling you, that's not your heavenly father. I'm here to declare to you today, you have a heavenly father that is madly in love with you. He loves you. You can trust him. You want to know why I believe that? First of all, he changed my life. But look at that cross for a minute. What does that represent? That represents that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that God so loved Mike, that God so loved Jason or Sharon or Fred, whoever's here. He loves you that much. He sent his son to die for you. You can trust him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith and trust, without trust, it is impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, trust comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's all about a relation. It's all about trusting him. So we have a nobody who tried, say tried, a nobody who trusted, say trusted. To a nobody who touched, say touched. Says she touched the hem of his garment. Now to experience the love of God, to understand his plan, you have to receive him into your life. You have to say that prayer like I did, April 14th, 1984. I just repeated a prayer and said, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I invited him in. It was a simple prayer. I just repeated after somebody. And nothing supernatural happened. No angels come out of the sky to give me high fives, no bowl of lightning. But I begin to have a peace in my life that I didn't have before. And th things begin to change. But maybe you said a little prayer. But there's still some issues that you're dealing with that you just can't get past. Well, have you gone the next step where you've touched him? What do you mean, Pastor Mike, when you say touch him? I'm saying embrace his power. Embrace his principles. Embrace his 
promises? Have you really embraced to the point where you're, you're grabbing his hand and you're following him? And maybe that's what you might need to do today. Come to the altar, reach out and touch God. It said when she touched him, verse 28, 29, and immediately, immediately, the flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out for him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples, you know, they're just saying, like, what do you mean who touched? Look at the crowd of people. What do you mean who touched you? He said, who touched me? Because he said, power left his body. Another version says virtue left it. Somebody put a demand on him. And just think, Jesus right now could be sitting with the Father, talking about how he's got to come back real soon because this world can't take much more. He gets to get that supper ready for my bride. I got to go come and get him. Whatever it is. But then all of a sudden he's talking and then, whew. And he's got, oh, somebody touched me. Oh, somebody's making a demand on me right now. Why not right now? During the worship, I believe people made a demand on him and said, God, you know what's going on in my life. And God just began to give you that sense that everything's going to be all right. You know, that was the first words I heard from God that I didn't realize it for about 10 years because it was words when my daughter was born premature. The doctor said she wouldn't walk or talk. And I tried to call every priest and pastor I could to get in touch with God for me and I couldn't get a hold of anybody and I looked at the end of the hospital when they were doing surgery and taking our baby two and a half months early and I saw the little cross on the chapel door and I went there and I knelt down and said my best God help me prayer. You know the way I used to pray when I didn't know how to pray I would just say the Lord's prayer because I learned it playing football and I would just and I learned it in catechism but I would just slow down and try to say it as slow and as meaningful as possible. And that day I said just whatever prayer it was, I walked out of there, I had this thought, everything's gonna be all right. Because when the doctors came to my wife and said, your baby's not gonna walk or talk, we got CAT scans to prove it. Every day I would say, everything's gonna be all right. I don't know how, we just gotta trust God. And this is three days after I got saved that this happened. I immediately could have got mad at God or my wife, but I was gonna trust him whether my daughter lived a month, a year, whatever it was. Yes that I was going to have to trust him in this. And my daughter's 30-some years old, going to get married here in the next month, I'm telling you. Graduated from Redwater. God did a miracle there. He'll do a miracle for you. You got to embrace him. She touched him. The virtue came out of his body. You know, we all have issues, emotional issues, health issues, relationship issues. And here's the thing. When a person realizes they have issues, then they go through the process of trying to fix those issues, and it takes them on a journey that can be kind of crazy sometimes. Because sometimes what you try to do to fix your issue creates another issue. Example, let's say you have a hard time paying your bills for whatever reason, and you start considering your options, and you decide, hey, I'm gonna go get a payday loan. I'm gonna go get a quick loan on my car that's 180% interest or whatever. And you know what? It does have some immediate results, and it kind of fixes the situation for a little bit, but now you have some issues on you issues, and they compound, and pretty soon they come and get your, it just digs a bigger hole. And I know that situation, because there was a point where I had to move from my own understanding, because we had the bill collectors calling. They were harassing my wife. You know, I'd not be able to sleep at night and lay in there and at two o'clock, what commercial would come on? Make a million dollars in real estate. I got at least two or three of those CDs and the whole bit. But then there was a point I stopped leaning on my own understanding. I began to embrace the principles of God about tithing. And I'm telling you, God did a miracle there. Trust in him. You can trust him with your finances. That's one of the most tangible things that you can do that say, I trust you, God. Most of the other things are just things you don't, you don't see. They're just kind of words you speak. 
Some of us might have even issues that are insignificant enough that if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. But think about this woman with the issue of blood. I mean, it was tedious and time-consuming just trying to deal with this flow of blood the whole time. Spent all her money. She was in pain, exhausted all of her resources, emotional energy. I'm telling you, this lady had as much reason as anybody to give up. I've seen some mothers that have gone through stuff with children. I'm thinking, just forget about them. And they continue to love them, continue to go to jail and visit them or whatever it may be. Continue to let them live with them and steal from them. I'm telling you, God loves you as as much as some mothers love their kids. Amen? Even more. Here's the neat thing about, first of all, this issue of blood, 12 years. That's 4,383 days, that's 144 months, that's 624 weeks, that's 105,192 hours. She dealt with this issue. It's one thing, and how many have had maybe an issue, a health issue with your child? And you want to, it's hard. It's one thing believing for yourself and I'm going to stand in faith. But when you see your child suffering, I'm telling you, it's a whole other issue. We had, like I said, our first daughter was born premature. God did a miracle there, but she developed asthma. Our second daughter born Jessica, and now she has got asthma problems. There was a time they both ended up in the hospital the same day, and we're trying to deal with that. And then we're at, we grew up in the 80s in a kind of a faith-based uh, church, and, and, you know, you come to the altar, you just believe, need to believe more. You need to have more faith. And I'm telling you, when your child can't breathe, and you get that breathing treatment, all of a sudden they can start breathing. You're, you're saying, however you work, God, through doctors, whatever. And I'm telling you, I don't know what it was. And then our son is born. And now our son Michael begins to have asthma problems. And I don't know what, but we just dug our feet in the ground. I don't know if it was a prayer with the elders. I don't know if it was a scripture we stood on. I don't know when it happened, but something broke and that asthma was gone. It wasn't in any of our children and it didn't pass on to our fourth child either. And I just say, praise God. Amen? Amen. Now we're at the situation that this lady, she hears about Jesus, okay? And she says, Jesus heals people. And she thinks and feels Jesus can heal me. Now, why does she even get this? Why does she know? How does she know about Jesus? I really feel there was somebody that spent some time with this lady. Because you think about it, somebody probably had to take her to the doctors. Somebody probably had to help clean her house a little bit. Somebody that was willing to step over the religious line and be maybe be called unclean, maybe hang around with a sinner or something and take care of her and got her faith up. Which, and it, who knows? Maybe the woman at the well or something. Man, Jesus changed my life. He can change your life. But she had faith to be able to press through all these fears and go and touch Jesus. You know, I'm so proud of our church that I see him reach out time and time again to help people that are needy. I've seen him take, you know, taking Miss Linnell to cancer treatments, our pastor's wife during those times. And then Linnell, my word, in the middle of cancer, going on mission trips, in the middle of cancer and chemo, going to Little Rock to visit little babies. I've seen it on and on. Let's pray for Linnell right now on our mission team. Amen? Father, we just pray for Pastor Linnell that you bless her. Lord, last time she was there, she fell down the mountain and got injured. And we just pray, Lord, she'll just give the devil a black eye when she's down there. Lord, we pray for Travis and the other members. Lord, as the children and the youth, you'll bless this team and bring them back safely. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. The other thing about this lady, it's just, I'm just so glad she didn't think she had to get herself cleaned up to go meet with Jesus. I say this a lot, but you can't get right to get God. You got to get God to get right. Don't you? Jesus says, come as you are. 
Today, come as you are, no matter where you're at. You haven't done enough. You're here in this church today. You might be watching online or something. I'm telling you, God loves you, and he's haven't given up on you. Amen? Amen? So now I want to go back and think for a minute. Jairus is still here, right? That religious leader. And what do you think he's learning during this exchange? All he knew was religion. That means if you do this and this and this, you can measure up. If you follow all the rules, then you'll be loved. Then you'll be accepted. And now he sees Jesus reaching out to this woman, a woman that's unclean, and he touches her and communicates with her and heals her. I bet he's getting a whole new lesson in the love of God. So we got a nobody, say nobody, who tried, say tried. She trusted, say trusted. And she touched, say touched. Now became somebody who testified. See, in Mark 33, it says, she came down, fell down at his feet, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, catch this, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your, your disease. She went from a nobody to a what? A daughter, a child of God. The Bible says in the book of John, first chapter, as many as received him, to them he gives power to become children of God. Have you ever received him? If you haven't, you might be his creation, but you're not his child. When you receive him, you become a child of God. I bet that dealt with some of her father issues, didn't it? Because now she has a father. I mean, she is a daughter, a child of God. And in Luke 5, it says, she told everybody. She declared to him in the presence of all the people. She told everyone how Jesus changed her life, how she was made whole. And now remember again, Jairus is still here. Seeing all this, let's catch up with what's going on in his life now. While he was still, because he's got a child in need right now. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. That's pretty much hope gone right there, but not with Jesus. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. What was the other version? Trust me. Jesus looked at Jairus. He looked him right in the eyes, said, trust me. And I bet there was a peace and a calm that came over his life. Because we go on to read, Jesus went there, calls everybody out, goes to the little girl, says to the little girl, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up from the dead, began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. I'm telling you, that little girl, is it any significance that that little 12-year-old girl, the time a girl starts having her period, was the same age as a woman with 12 years and issue of blood? Coincidence? I doubt it. Not with Jesus. 12 years. You know, my daughter Jessica, when she was 19, uh, got very sick and had, a, you know, stomach intestinal issues and just, uh, we had to take her to the doctor. They did a colonoscopy. And at that point, uh, they call us back and say, she has ulcerative colitis. And you need to, we need to meet again tomorrow to tell you your options and just look on the internet. My wife looks and, man, this is bad. You'll have pain and diarrhea and just all this stuff going on. And it could be, a, it's a lifetime thing, they say. And so uh, she starts this process. And they, all kinds of medication. I remember one time she's on 18 different pills and medication and taking it daily. And, and she's just uh, getting ready to go to college. And she decides, I'm going to go to college here in town, stay close to home. And think about this. Just an uh, eight to 10 minute drive to college from her house. And she has to begin to know where every restroom's at between here and there so she can make it to the college. I mean, on a good night, she might have to get up only five or six times to go to the bathroom during the middle of the night. And that's on a good night. 
And this was going on for six years. And in the middle of that, she felt, I mean, there was a little, uh, and she's believing God and we're believing God and we're praying and, and doing all those things. She, she even did a three-month diet, very, very strict. She did allergy tests and we tried all the things we could try. And she finally felt that God wanted her to go to college all the way in Denton. And she went to college and, and, uh, and graduated there and went there and there was a grace on that. And then in the midst of all this too, she felt God, because she's got a heart for missions. She said, I just need to step out by faith and go on a mission trip to Mexico. And that's a big step of faith, riding on a plane and doing, and there was a grace on it. I mean, she went on that mission trip. It was powerful. God's grace was on it, but she no more gets back to Dallas and it just physically just gets wiped out. We had to take her to the hospital. And at the hospital, they're just, they can't believe she's not in pain considering how bad she looks and what all the, the tests are saying. And at that point, they come to my wife and they say, you know, probably the best option for this lady if she wants to have the best quality of life is if we remove her colon. And my wife is thinking, I don't think how this would be the best thing for a 21-year-old or whatever age she was then. And, um, but you know what? In this process, we get to the end of the six years. She's believing God. I mean, she's, uh, and she gets a scripture and she, we, my wife makes a frame out of it and puts it on a wall. It's Psalm 62, 6. It's something God gave her that she held on to. It says, he is alone is my, rock, is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. And she wasn't going to let this shake her. She continued with life, and she got to the place. It was three months after the fact. She comes to my wife, and she says, you know, I really felt I got a word from God that I could stop taking the medication. But just to be wise, and she just weaned herself because, you know, sometimes when it get bad, she get on steroids, and you know, some of you know the effects of that. And, and she weaned herself off, and she was at the place. She came to my and she said, I'm not any medication. I'm telling you, God healed her. She ran, just last Sunday, ran a half marathon. I mean, you can't do that when you can hardly, you know, make it from one place to the restroom. I'm telling you. And I know when I say testimonies like that, I know there's some people in here, I mean, uh, we got somebody on our worship team that had their colon removed. And right now, uh, you know, they're just having to go to the hospital for a blockage. We pray God will touch and heal them. I know sometimes if th something's in your life, while well, they healed them, but they didn't heal me or I had to go. I'm telling you, trust God. Trust, trust him, whatever the journey is. You can trust him. Amen. Because this is temporary right here, right? Let's finish up. So what's God saying to all of us today? I think he's saying, fear not, I'm with you. Fear not, I'm with you. Whatever your issue is, I can help you. I'll be with you. Trust me. Don't lean on your understanding. Trust in me. Lean on me. And I believe there's people in this room that are under literally a spirit of a bondage of fear. Like I said, I had fear. I mean, God really delivered me. I'm, I'm just kind of blown away what I can do now and, and get in rides with my kids. And I still won't get on that wooden thing at uh, Dallas, whatever it is, that Karen Moto tried to get me on. I won't go on that. Unless the Lord says so. Don't say that, Lord. But he's delivered me from a lot. But you know, you could be struggling. I saw my God deliver my wife from a bondage of fear that she literally inherited from her mom who would worry in her prayers and worry for her children and not, not be able to sleep and all that was going on with her children. My wife got a hold of Psalm 91 and had a little battle going on, but I'm telling you, God delivered her in that area. And he can do that for you, whatever your spirit is. But let's think about fear for a minute as we close. Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Fear was a slave in my life at times. But you've received the spirit of adoption of sons, by which you can cry, Abba, Father. Another verse says, Daddy, God. 1 John 4, 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. God's saying to you, he loves you. You can trust him. 
You really can. And again, I want to read that verse we started with, and I want to read it in the message version as we close. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. It's not enough to have faith in a big God, but you got to have faith that God can do big things through you. He can. He can do it through you and you and you and you, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Some of the best years are ahead of you. I tell you, you look much better in the future than you do right now with God on your side, don't you? So as we close, if you don't know Jesus, when I say you don't know Jesus, you've never received him in your life, you can't, when I say if you died, would you go to heaven, and you can't really in your mind say yes, you might think you can talk your way in like I did or maybe do more good than bad. It's nothing to do with that. You have to receive him into your life. And if you haven't, that means you're under a bondage of sin and you're a slave to sin and it's gonna lead you all the way to hell. That's where it'll lead you. And it might be a fun ride on the way, maybe not, maybe so. But the end there is of destruction. And so today, if you're not sure where you spend eternity, in just a moment, I'm gonna give you a chan chance to raise your hand. Well, raise your hand. Yeah, by raising your hand, you're saying, Jesus, I wanna put my trust in you. You're saying, Pastor Mike, would you say a prayer for me? Because today's the day I either need to get back right with God or I need to invite him in for, formally for the first time. We had a lady up there, a mom, that got baptized. She said, I needed to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord. By raising your hand, you're saying, I believe in you, Jesus. So if you're out there and you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, would you just hold your hand up right now and we'll say a prayer? I see your hand. I see your hand back there and your hand. Anybody else need to get right with God? Your hand, your hand. Amen. That's what this is all about. Your hand and your hand back there. Amen. But all the way back there too. God bless you. Amen. What you're doing, you're not voting for me. You're not voting for Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I'm it's the start of a great journey. Amen. Thank you. You know, at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to, we're going to have everybody stand. Those of you that raised your hand at the end, would you come over to the cross? I'm going to have Jason over there. We just want to give you something, and we just want to say a quick prayer. Matter of fact, we'll say the prayer right now, but I want you to go there just to formally declare that you're taking a step for Jesus. He can give you that information so you have something to take home with you to how to be a stronger Christian. But let's say this prayer together. By saying this, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to repeat this prayer and mean it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross. For me, I invite you, come into my life, change me, receive me as a son or daughter. Now help me to step away from my sins, but I thank you, you forgive me for my past, for my sins. And today, my name is written in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. I know where I'm gonna spend eternity it's going to be in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Please take one more step. If you raise your hand, and when we're done, come over to that cross, and so you can get that information to just confirm that. But let's stand our feet. We're going to do one other thing. We want to bless the mothers, and that's just going to be in just a minute. But I'm going to say a quick prayer over people that you have an issue you want God to help you with. And it's going to be a health issue. It could be an emotional issue. It could be whatever the issue is. It could be you want to be delivered from something that's just got a hold of you.
I'm just going to ask you real quickly, without any altar workers, just to come stand up here and we're going to say a prayer over you. Anybody that wants to just roll your care over in the Lord, you have an issue you want prayed for, or just hold up your hand real high or both hands, we'll pray for you right where you're at. But I want you to connect with God. I want you to touch Jesus right now. So whether you're coming to the front or holding up your hands, and we're just going to meet with Jesus a minute. Just come on, give him a hand clap as they come. Those that raise your hand, if you'll make your way to the altar, you raised your hand earlier. And we're going to say a prayer. They're going to meet with you. Or if you want to come here, and we'll say a prayer first, and then you can go to the cross. But let's just pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray for those that raise their hand. Lord, a life will change. But we pray for those here that are just have an issue in their life. Lord, whether in the crowd or right here, but by coming here, just, Lord, they want to embrace you right now. They want to, they want to touch you and say, God, I need your help. And Lord, we thank you. We can trust you. So I break any spirit of fear over people that are here right now that are in bondage to fear. I break it in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over people that are in bondage to anything, an addiction. I break it in Jesus' name. And I ask you to come and deliver and heal and set free, Lord. And let your love just begin to confirm things right now. Your peace begin to confirm things right now. I bless everyone here. I bless them. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm proud of you just coming up. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you that raised your hand for salvation, would you stop by the cross? Everybody else sit down. I got like a one and a half minute video. We're playing for the moms. Then moms are going to come up and we're going to give you a gift. And one other exciting thing that'll happen today, we're going to have a wedding right here afterwards. And so that's going to be a neat thing. Somebody's going to have a wedding and it'll be uh, right after the mothers. We'll dismiss you for five minutes. Let them get ready. So if you want to stick around, it'll be real quick. We'll just say the vows and, and just be able to experience uh, a picture of Christ and his bride. People getting married. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Watch this video. You won't remember the way I stood in the bathroom late that night in labor with you, fearfully and excitedly gazing up at the moon, knowing I was going to bring you into the world soon and whispering to you, we can do this. You won't remember the way you looked at me right after you were born or the way I pulled you up next to my heart and marveled, hi baby, in your ear. You won't remember the way you healed my broken spirit, the way you completed my heart. I was weak before I had you and you made me whole again. You won't remember the way I proudly watched you everywhere we went. You were always the most beautiful child in the room to me. You won't remember the way you made me laugh with all of the little silly things you did. I saw how kind your heart was. You won't remember the way I would brush your hair off of your forehead or the way you'd look up at me. Without any words, our souls could touch and say everything to each other that words couldn't. You won't remember the tickle fest we had and how I always cheated so I could hold you close and cover your salty little face in kisses. You won't remember all the times I went to your bed at night and felt such fear being your mother. Am I doing okay? Have I messed up too many times already? Could I be the kind of mother you needed? You won't remember the way my heart broke and grew a little bigger each time you passed a milestone, watching the sand fall through the hourglass while feeling overjoyed witnessing you expand and grow. You won't remember the way I would hold your little feet in my hands, imagining how much bigger than my own feet they will one day grow, and how one day I'll have to let you go. You won't remember, but I will, and I'll hold these memories in my heart for the both of us. Everybody can go, aww. Amen. Well, how about we give the mothers a big round of applause. Mothers, come on up. Whether you're a mother or a mother-to-be, 
Whether you're maybe not a biological mother, but you know you've been raising kids and helping with people, come on up, right? Get real close to the altar so we can say a prayer over you and give you all a gift. We got a gift for you. Yes, you get a scarf and you get a scarf and you get a scarf. Maybe someday it'll be, you get a car, you get a car. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we got lots of moms here, don't we? Amen. Get in close. We got to make room for everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I know Mother's Day can be kind of mixed emotions, exciting time for a lot of people, but sometimes it can kind of bring up some emotions too. You maybe lost a mom or lost a child, or, and, uh, but God's grace is here, isn't it? He'll take your hand and walk you through this. And, and uh, you know, I know people out there that have gone through some things recently, and, and just thank you for God's grace. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, just keep kind of squeezing in, man. Lots and lots of moms. Praise the Lord. Come on in. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're unable to make it, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers will they'll get you something later. So uh, we'll bring something to you on these gifts. But let me just pray over you as you're coming. Father, I thank you for these moms, Lord. And I pray your hand of love will come and touch each one of them. Lord, what is more powerful than a mother's love, Lord? And your love is. And I pray your love will come and encourage each mom here. Lord, whether there's a, a feeling of loss that might be in their heart, Lord, you can come and touch that area. Whether there's a feeling of, that, that things just didn't turn out quite like they thought they did, Lord, would, Lord, that your hand will be on them. And tell them the best years are ahead, Lord, that you'll encourage them and bless them. And Lord, we just thank you. I just declare blessings over these moms, Lord, that your face will shine upon them. Lord, that you'll be gracious to them. Lift your countenance upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just bless them coming in and bless them going out, Lord. Bless them and let them know you see the sacrifices that they made. You see the tears that they've cried, all that love that they've given unconditionally. I just thank you. These are women that fear the Lord. They're here today and they fear the Lord yes. and their rewards will be great. And we just thank you, God. Bless them today and their families. And Lord, just a special comfort over those that have lost their moms or have lost children. I just thank you, Lord, that you would just, just be with them today in a special way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we love you. And I know Pastor John was here. He'd say he loves you. And God loves you. And Linnell. And, and just blessings on you. Amen. 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 Well, uh, guys, make your way through. And we'll get you a gift. And as you get them, you can kind of maybe... Head around the outsides. And, and again, we got a reading with uh, Donna Rogers and Rick uh, Montanelli right afterwards after the mothers kind of clear out. We wait a few minutes for them to get ready. But let's stand to our feet and let's just kind of worship one last time. I'll let you dismiss yourselves and uh, take time to hug your mom, hug your wife, tell them you love them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,